What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold on, bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. Good morning, SPT enthusiasts from near and far. Whether you are listening on the airwaves here in Akron, Ohio, or the Radio FX app anywhere in this country, welcome to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be live from the University of Akron. It's Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP. My name is Logan Congrove, and I am your host of this fine American talk show. And joining me today are two incredible and strong on-air personalities here at WZIP Sports. And starting off with... Mr. Mitch Bates, he's one half of the UFC podcast, and once again, a Kent Roosevelt football legend. Mitch, how are we doing this fine morning? (laughs) Yes, sir. How's it going, everyone? Feels great. Good to have you back, Mr. Bates. Great to have a legend in the room. (laughs) And on the other side of the desk, it's Mr. Reliable. He is wearing a lot of Golden State Warriors gear today, which I'm not quite sure how I feel about this, but I may let it slide because the jersey's kind of fire. It's Mr. Logan Buchanan. How's it going, everybody? You sound very patriotic this morning, Logan. Dude, I'm just feeling chipper. I'm, I'm ready to get on these airwaves and talk some sports, talk some great American baseball, talk some football. i got all kinds of things to talk yeah. about today, Logan. I'm amped. Might as well get started. Absolutely. Let's give the outline of what we're going to be hitting on today, starting off with a lot of MLB action, some Cleveland Guardians, and some other headlines around the league. Lots of things going on there. And then in segment two, we will move over to the NFL. We're going to hit on a lot of the new alternate uniforms. Get your thoughts on Twitter, on that and a few other headlines here and there from the National Football League. Segment three is the, for the first time without Alex Henry or Jake Murren, we will be doing a UFC preview on UFC 291 as well as talking about some other headlines within the MMA. We got Mitch Bates on and Logan Buchanan. It's going to be great to talk about some MMA. And then to close out our show, I like to call it the miscellaneous segment. We're going to talk about some NBA headlines. You know, there's not as much going on nowadays in that league, but you still got the Damian Lillard saga to talk about because the Miami Heat will not make a move on this for some reason. And then talk a little bit about some soccer, Lionel Messi's debut very quickly, and of course we will finish our show this time with Hot Mike, and that is, if you don't know, where you, you the listener, get to put your thoughts in on our show. We'll answer your questions live on the air. If you haven't had the chance to do so, head over to our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Get your thoughts in, and we will answer them at the end of our show. But like I mentioned, guys, let's get right into some baseball action, starting off with the Cleveland Guardians, more specifically the Guardians bullpen. I feel like we've hit on this the last few weeks, guys, but nothing seems to be changing. Is it time to panic with this Guardians bullpen? 
I the the phrase time to panic is a hard one for me to get behind just because one baseball is kind of unpredictable in the sense that sometimes the bullpen can just turn around instantly and then sometimes it takes a few personally what I think the Guardians need to be doing uh these next couple of weeks and honestly for the rest of the season is just to nail down who they're going to be running with you know what Let's actually figure out, okay, this is our team. These are the people we're going to be playing. Let's stop making a whole bunch of moves. Let's stop, you know, second-guessing ourselves and get a consistent base going so that way our we can work around our bullpen and finally figure out, okay, who's shining, who's not. Yeah, the injuries that have also happened mm-hmm. to this entire roster, I feel like adds pressure to certain players that they have to perform. When I just don't think it's fair to say, oh, well, now it's time to panic. Yeah, I, honestly, I with, mo- with most sports, in my opinion, I don't think it's time to panic until the season's over. Exactly. I, I think you play out the season, you keep you know, tweaking stuff, but stop making these big changes. Stop thinking, okay, now we need to send this guy away. Okay, now we need to bring this guy up. It works sometimes, but you're also changing the team, and that's going to change chemistry. It's going to tame, uh, change consistency. It's not going to work. So I think that all needs to happen in the postseason, and then uh, throughout the winter, the Guardians can start figuring this out. Okay, this is where we should be heading. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you suggest for the Guardians that would help them right now with the struggling bullpen? Because I totally agree with your point. Mm-hmm. I think messing with that is a little much right now, but... What would you do if you were the Guardians right now that will help them make a difference heading into the second half of the season? I mean, the biggest difference to me would be, I mean, we've talked about the young pitchers and how they do good when given the opportunity. You know, maybe give them a little bit more games. Let them uh, get them more starting times and have some of our uh, quote-unquote veteran pitchers you know, maybe they can relieve a couple games. I'm not saying that they have to completely ditch who they have starting right now, but that wouldn't be too bad of an idea to get some more experience, say, okay, you can perform in this spot, or you know what, maybe you are just a relief pitcher. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, to go back on a really strong point that you just made, how you need to have a set lineup. You need to let these guys build up their own momentum because when you keep – taking them out and sending them down and sending other people up it messes with the entire team's momentum and And that's any that's any sport any sport where you continue to change the team you're not going to get consistent outcomes ask the cleveland browns yeah (laughs) oh boy (laughs) we can save that for later maybe but yeah i just think that they need to keep the guys in let them develop because i've been saying for weeks now development is key Mm. especially with a team like this absolutely where you struggle a lot but you're not that far out of the race for the division as a whole and that's the that's the biggest problem with cleveland is we're not a bad team we're just inconsistent that's their biggest problem and i think it's all these changes and maybe not even the changes but the talks of other changes like some of these guys are hearing rumors about people being brought up, and they're probably like, well, what if I'm the one that gets sent down? Right. So, I mean, right. it can be scary, and it can mess with your game. Yeah, absolutely. Sticking with the topic of Guardians pitchers, not necessarily the bullpen, let's flip over to some of our starters. Of course, lots of injuries in this department, guys. Shane Bieber is on the IL. Tristan McKenzie has been on and off the whole year. Mm-hmm. 
And that has kind of left Aaron Savali as kind of the number one ace guy while while these other guys are injured. Some rumors are coming out that now that Bieber's trade value has been diminished and McKenzie, we're obviously not trading him, but he's injured. Due to the looks that Savali's been getting recently, if you're the Cleveland Guardians, are you trading Aaron Savali now? Is that something that's on your plate? I don't think I am personally. And it goes mostly with what I'm saying of keeping the lineup and allowing these guys to get adjusted into their roles. And I feel like if you trade Savale, you've you've already got Shane Bieber, which is a question mark in itself when it wasn't supposed to be, but it is. And I, I really like Tanner Bybee, and I think mm-hmm. he's a great young pitcher, but I don't think he needs to be thrown into the fire anymore than he already has been. I think they've got him on a pretty proper pace. And I think trading Savali just kind of throws the entire pitching room for a whirlwind, and I don't think that's necessary right now. Yeah, I agree. It also, it we don't know how teams are viewing Savali and how they think of him as a commodity. You know, if we give, if we give away um, Aaron, are we getting back what we should? That's my only issue, uh, because with the Shane Bieber proposed trade, since he's such a big name, we it was pretty much guaranteed we're getting something good back. But I'm not sure how other teams and other organizations view Aaron Savali and if he is as hot a commodity to be giving away at this time. But what if what if the return was decent enough? If you're the Guardians, are you considering it? Maybe I would consider it. I mean, I would have to see the trade. There's nothing wrong with viewing trades, in my opinion, especially mm-hmm. in baseball. There's nothing wrong with viewing your options. You know, where where can you move some players around? Is it the best option right now for the Guardians? Like I said, movement at this point, not really. But it, if the right deal lands on you, why wouldn't you take it? What would you define as the right deal, Logan? If, you're, if you are the Guardians and there is interest in Aaron mm-hmm. Savali... What would you define as the right deal? What is a return that you would accept as the Guardians? A nice starting pitcher or um, I would have to say either a second baseman or a catcher that is equal to Aaron Savale's performances as an overall baseball player. Would you take prospects? Prospects? I mean, I'd, I always say look at prospects because there is nothing better than getting young guys for cheap and building them up. One, we've talked about it multiple times on this airway. Cleveland is a small market team, a smaller market team. I'm not saying we're like the athletics or anything, but whoa, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> but what you got against Oakland? I love, You're a Warriors I fan, love buddy. Oakland. That's the thing, but they are a small market team. Are you saying they're not a small market team? No, they definitely okay. are. Okay. Um, so, Investing in our future for low prices, absolutely. If we can get, I mean, if we can get two or three guys for Aaron Svalley and they look good, they have good prospects, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to the trade. Mitch, what about you? What do you think? I 100% agree on the prospects take. I think looking at the young guy, those are going to be the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that it feels really good to get the superstar player in a trade mm-hmm. or someone with a big name right now that you feel like can produce, but the Guardians themselves have shown that that's not always the case. When you bring in a guy with a name, Shane Bieber maybe, that you're, you're certain he's going to perform, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't. We're going to talk about it later with some trades happening um, in the 
preseason for the NBA, uh, there's a lot of superstar movement going around. And I, mm-hmm. I hate superstar movement right. because it, it just it overshadows lower movements, you know, like mm-hmm. I look quote unquote lower movements, but like getting not even just role players, but also starters that aren't superstars quote that can be a huge turnaround for a team that can make or break that team's season. And I, I, I'm 100% for getting prospects or getting lesser names for higher value. Right. And they're in the point where they can afford to get a prospect. Absolutely. It's a perfect yeah. time. Would you, as the Guardians, say you say we do trade Savali away mm-hmm. and you get these prospects back, what, what type of prospect return are you looking for? Because I, I agree. I'd love to have prospects mm-hmm. with the Guardians. It, that's kind of our niche. Mm-hmm. We find these prospects, we develop them, they come up to the big leagues, and then they, they're too overpriced to pay them. Yeah. So if, what type of prospects would you be looking for? And if how many? Because... Like you mentioned, we don't know Savali's yeah, value, truly, because everybody was focused on Shane Bieber for the last month. Mm-hmm. Now Shane Bieber's trade value is on the ground. And, and our opinions on uh, Aaron Savali's value is way different than teams and organizations. Uh, he could be an absolute steal in some people's eyes, or he could be an absolute bust in others. Right. So we don't know what his value is right now. We don't, we don't have any projected trades. We have nothing. I would want... Like I said, a second baseman would be amazing. Maybe if we can get a really young guy as a first baseman to work under Naylor, I think that would be amazing for the Guardians' future, mm-hmm. having a duo first basemans where we can put in Naylor or him. And then imagine, okay, Naylor's been on a couple-game streak. Let's rest him as a designated hitter and have the other guy as first baseman. I think that would be a great, great plan for the Guardians because we've seen how uh, Naylor has been just the ace for the Guardians this year, absolutely nailing shot after shot after shot when he's needed. You know, Logan, that's a great transition into our next topic, which is Josh Naylor. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, Josh Naylor is the ace for the Guardians Mm -hmm. right now. And it poses the question to me, do you think that Josh Naylor could become the best player on the Guardians over Jose Ramirez? I think, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll kick it over to you guys first before I give my thoughts, but I think yes, definitely. Yeah, I think the potential speaks for itself. And I love when young guys are flashing potential and comparing two players is not my favorite thing mm-hmm. in the world to do. Especially two different positions. There's such yeah, different so players. For every single sport, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the hardest things to do. There's so many, like, asterisks by everything. Yep. But I do think that it's set in stone he could surpass Ramirez as the best guardian. And you you need to be a good all-around player to mm-hmm. do that because Jose Ramirez is a great all-around player. And he has been for years. It, that's what I mean. It's continued. Yeah. It's been proven. That's, that's what I was... Uh, it, when looking at Naylor's potential, if he stays with Cleveland and he keeps this positive trajectory up, he might become, I'm not saying he will become the greatest, but he's going to be up there in talks as some of the greatest guardians of all times if he sticks with Cleveland and keeps this positive trajectory. But as we've seen in baseball, there's some guys who have an amazing season or two and then are never heard from again the next year. I would argue that Jose Ramirez is already one of the best Guardians. Oh, he is. Yes. Jose Ramirez is one of the best Guardians. If we're talking 
Guardians. He is the oh, best yes. Guardian <laughs> of all time. In if we're talking Cleveland franchise, Cleveland franchise <laughs> yes. history, I would definitely put him up there. Yes, but, I mean, you can't argue with Naylor's trajectory right now. His ceiling is so high for the Guardians if they can keep him. That's mm-hmm. my biggest thing is if he moves, especially if he moves within the next year, two years, I don't think he can make that case for himself. But if we can keep him for four, five, six years, oh, absolutely. So what would you do if the decision came down, if it comes down to one day? I know we just re-signed mm-hmm. Jose to this contract. Mm-hmm. What if down the line, you're the GM of the Guardians, and it comes down to Naylor or Jose Ramirez? What Naylor. are you doing? Naylor. I, I, Ramirez is amazing. I love Jose Ramirez. I've loved him ever since I was a kid. But there comes a point when you have to let go of your franchise player. Of course. They, they're in... in the Guardians are great at doing that. <laughs> yeah. But, and there's nothing wrong with that. I There's no, like, I, I, I hate saying this, but Cleveland doesn't owe Ramirez a lifetime contract. They don't owe him that. The, what he, if he, what if he goes out and wins, wins the World Series? And he's like, the, the reason that we win the World Series. Does your opinion change? If he scored Does your opinion change now? It, it's so hard to say, though, because... If he does that, say he does that next year, and then three, four, five years later, he's still on the Guardians and has, like, barely done anything, does he still have that bargaining chip behind him? Okay, let me put this into basketball terms for you. Okay. LeBron James wins the Cavs a, t- a title in 2016. Doesn't win one for the next four years. With that same logic, you're telling me that you would you just let LeBron James walk because he didn't win a title. I would. No, not oh. just not just because he didn't win a title, but because are you getting out of him what you should be when if it comes down to Josh Naylor or Jose Ramirez at that time, I'm taking Naylor because he has more ability to perform long like long term. I'm not looking at short term. I'm not looking at nostalgia. I'm looking at stats and player, and that's where Naylor's shining over Jose in the next couple of years. Jose's stock sadly is going to be going down it's going to and that's any sport when you get up there as a veteran someday you're starting your uh upward spiral is going to start going down i don't want to see that with jose i love him but at some point if it comes down naylor or jose i'm keeping naylor trading jose mitch you've been rather quiet over there let's get your thoughts on this yeah i see coming down to ramirez and the lebron james point was very interesting and saying letting LeBron walk or bringing him back. And mm-hmm. I kind of agree that letting him walk, it, it's just it's about production for mm-hmm. me. Name value can only do so much. And if you said, like, four straight years of nothing, 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 y- you kind of got to go with the young guy. It's the You got to go potential over, in this case, a legend. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about LeBron. I would feel that way about Naylor and with Ramirez. And... I understand that Ramirez is much older. I'm not sure how old Naylor is, but I know that Ramirez is beating him in that category. (laughs) 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 I just think going the young guy with the potential, most I won't say all the time, but most of the time it will pay off. Mm -hmm. And Ramirez, I don't want to say he's had his run, but he's, he's already cemented his name into Guardians history as it is today. So I think... How? 
how has he made his mark already? What would you say, other than being a fan favorite and getting this big contract that the I Guardians mean, haven't given anybody else, what does he... I mean, for the Guardians this year, he had one of the best RBIs the entire season. I would not say that he has, quote-unquote, cemented his legacy. I don't think... Like I said, he is. he will be one of the the greatest Guardians, or even Indians for that matter, of all time, for sure. Based off name value and his contributions to the franchise and his want, his wanting to be in Cleveland. But when you say cemented his legacy or hasn't cemented his legacy yet, I I don't think that he has. I don't think he's proven as much as he wants to yet as a Guardian. I really don't. And, he, and that's not a dig. That is does not that, a dig at Jose Ramirez. That is all, all I'm saying is job's not finished. He has that, unfinished business. And so that comes down to the not winning a chip yet. Yeah, but then you also have to think about the window. Like, how much more of a window does he have to prove himself versus what Naylor would have to prove oh, himself? I mean, Naylor has a larger window, obviously, but with baseball, they have such a higher ceiling of when they can play. They have such longer careers than most athletes. Uh, by the way, Jose has four years on Naylor age-wise. Uh, Jose's 30. So he's still got some, he's still got time. Absolutely. It's just... I would hate for the downward in his uh, consistency. That's a big thing with older players is consistency. They still got it. They still they're still good, but they can't keep up with the younger guys. That's the only issue I would have with that. I think you're right, though. I I do think Jose needs a chip to have a good, a great legacy because I think he has a good sure. legacy. He does, of course. I mean, right. He's he's a good producer. Like I said, one of the best RBIs of the season. Yeah. He just hasn't won that chip yet. Sure. You know, Logan, you're pretty great at these transitions because you're going to transition me into our next topic, <laughs> which is some of the young guys and the other nailer, Bone Nailer. Um, well, actually, before we get into that, I apologize. That is going to be our Around the Rue question on Twitter. If you don't know what Around the Rue is, it's where you give your thoughts on one of our topics on Twitter. It'll be posted as a poll for the next week. And this week's question is, could Josh Naylor pass Jose Ramirez as the best player on the Guardians? That will be up as soon as we go to break here at 1130. Make sure you go vote on our Twitter at WZIP Sports. But as for our next topic, it's going to be a little bit about the young guys, starting with David Fry, who has been getting some time in the lineup. And in that case, Bo Naylor has not been getting time in the lineup, surprisingly against left-handers. If Bo Naylor is really the future, as everybody's saying, wouldn't you want him in the lineup hitting against lefties? And if not, does David Fry deserve more time in the lineup? And where would he fit? Where does he fit with this Guardians team? I I think his time's fine right now. I, I, I think he's producing well. And, you know, Bo's still young. He's still learning pro ball. I mean... You can't bring someone up and then immediately put them into a full-time starting every game. Here comes Bo Naylor. I think he still needs uh, to learn some of the ins and outs of pro ball because pro ball is so much different than minor, so much different than college, so much different than every other type of baseball. It just gets uh, more difficult and more complicated as you go on because uh, there's so many different factors. I think David Fry is our best catcher as of right now. And so while uh, Bo gets more comfortable with uh, playing, with catching, um, and with working around a solidified bullpen that we can finalize and say, okay, this is what we're running with, that's when we can start giving Bo some more time. 
And you know what? I'm not just I'm not a huge fan of uh, our other catcher Cam. I don't think no. there's any time to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, let let David Fry uh, continue on uh, the the path he's going. Let Bo learn some more under him, and once we get to you know mid August or maybe just wait till next season, then we can start getting Bo more and more and put him equal level to Fry or even ahead of Fry. Yeah, there's no need to mess with the lineup as it is right now. I think that Fry being extremely versatile is only doing himself more favors, and Terry seems to love it. And anytime you hear him talk in the press, mm-hmm. it's always, oh, well, I can count on this guy, and he hasn't been handed anything. He's worked for everything he has right now. And I like players like that. It displays great, and I think that's something that the Guardians are going to need. Mm-hmm. And with him stepping up, Bo Naylor is not going to suffer from any missed time right now. Absolutely not. He's extremely young. He's probably going to learn from watching guys like this who are hard workers and display the type of things that you want to instill in your young guys. So I think that you can keep the rotation as it is right now, and you can – I don't think it has to overload one player over the other. Absolutely. Having multiple good players at a position we've known is – not it's a good problem to have. Yeah, <laughs> you'd much rather have that one than the other way. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Before we head to our first break, it's time to do one of our reoccurring segments here on Sports Power Talk, and that is MLB Player of the Week. This player can be picked for any stretch of the imagination, any reason that you can possibly think of, baseball or not. As long as they play in the MLB, they are eligible for the WZIP Sports Power Talk (laughs) Player of the Week Award. So I'm going to kick it over to you guys first. Logan, who is your Player of the Week this week and why? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Sal Frilich from, I think it's Frilich, uh, from the Milwaukee Brewers. He made his debut, it was either yesterday or the day before, uh, for the Brewers and absolutely just took over the game. He uh, was going on a huge streak. He had three hits, one run, two RBIs, and had an amazing inning where he caught two nearly impossible near-home run catches deep in the outfield. He absolutely deserves this, not only for uh, his debut, but as strong as a debut as it was. Absolutely. Mitch? Yeah, I'm going to go C.J. Abrams for the Washington Nationals. <laughs> Took mine. It's a great pick. He's been electric. He had a little bit of a slower start, but he's been one of the top hitters in baseball. And stealing bases, There, it's hard to find anyone better right now. And uh, he just hit double-digit home runs for the season, and he continues to elevate, and I think that that deserves attention. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Now I'm going to change my pick because I don't like picking the same people. It's uninteresting. You not only took my pick, but you took everything I was going to say, too. So I'm going to flip my pick, and I do not. Let me preface this. I do not like picking Guardians as the player of the week. It's just, for it, I don't know. I don't like doing it because it sounds real homery, and I'm not a fan. But I'm going to pick Josh Naylor this week because Mr. Mitch Bates decided he wanted to go and take my pick. But I'm going to take Josh Naylor. He's hitting uh, 381 with four home runs this past week, and... I just I think that's great, and like we just mentioned, there's a real chance that he could be the star of the Guardians for the foreseeable future. But guys, that is going to do it for our first segment. Talked a lot of baseball. Next up, you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to move into some NFL headlines and talk about some of these alternate uniforms. So stick with us right here on WZIP. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP. For our second segment of today's show, we are back talking about the NFL and some NFL uniforms. Uh, I'm going to introduce my first analyst on the right first because my analyst on the left is currently cracking up for no reason and probably can't introduce himself at the moment. So I'm going to flip it over to you. I got Mitch Bates on the right. Uh, It's a great day, everyone. Good to have you, Mitch. And on the other side of the desk, it's Mr. Logan Buchanan. If he can quit laughing for two seconds to say hello to the listeners. We like to have fun around here. We like to we like to laugh it up. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking you already about? Know. <laughs> laugh it up, indeed. And some of these NFL uniforms that we're going to talk about are pretty laughable in themselves. So this is like, Logan, man, you're on it with I, these transitions what I do. today. What I do. You're yeah. on it with these transitions you know today, dude. You got me. You got me right. Let's start off with the uniforms from the Indianapolis Colts. And for those of you who have not seen these, the Indianapolis Colts have an all-blue uniform with a white stripe on the side, blue pants, same thing, stripe down the side, with a black helmet with the Colts logo on it. Well, I'll throw it to, I'm, we're going to do it this way. I'll throw it to all of you first. Okay. And then I'll give my take, and we'll go with around the table type of thing. Yeah. And for you listeners, give us your thoughts on Twitter again at WZIP Sports. Let us know if you agree or disagree with us on our takes. And check them out. on. Take a look at these uniforms on Twitter as well. If you just search them up, you'll find them right away. So I'll kick it to you first, Logan. Yeah, I have, when it comes to a lot of um, sport uniforms, I have a problem with blue. Like, it needs to be the right shade. And I think the Colts actually killed it with this shade of blue. My only issue with it is it kind of looks like an Adidas costume with the white stripes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it, I don't know what it is about it, but it's throwing the whole uniform off. And uh, I do like the black helmet, though. The black helmet with the with the Colts logo, I think, is a little, is a little, a little hard. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. The helmet is sick. Yeah. Mm. And I like, I like most black helmets, to be See, honest. See, here's my take on this one. Yes, the helmet is awesome. But it does not mix with that uniform. Well, see, see, I think it would mix. Um, I actually really like the black arm sleeve uh, in the one picture I'm seeing. So if they had more black on maybe the legs and uh, the cleats, I think it would look nasty. The blue arm sleeve is not going to look great mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. at all. No. And my problem with this whole uh, uniform that they have is it kind of... To me personally, it kind of looks like a high school like, mm. uniform. Maybe that's why coming be- from Kent Roosevelt, football legend, Mr. <laughs> exactly. Mitch Bates. Maybe that's so why the know. lines are messing me up because it looks it looks cheap. I okay. also do not like the alternate logo on the chest. I do not like mm. the C mm-hmm. instead of the horseshoe. Yeah, I don't like that either. It looks like the captain pat. Is that the captain patch or is that just... No, that's that's the Colts alternate that's logo. Home? That's the Baltimore Colts logo. Oh. Yeah, I don't. Um, it's just I could see the Ravenna Ravens walk out wearing these uniforms. <laughs> so that's kind of where I the rat birds, the rat birds, <laughs> the dirty birds. <laughs> I could see them wearing these, and that's kind of why I don't gotcha. like them as much. But that adds up. Yeah, I I'm not a fan purely because I don't think that the combination mixes. I think the jersey's cool, mm-hmm. and I think the helmet's cool. But together, I think it's. Gotcha. Bottom tier for me. Oh, wow. Let's give it. A, let's give these a number rating too mm-hmm. on each jersey. I'm going to go a five. I would give it a six just because I like the color. Yeah, I'll go six, too. Okay. Next up, this one was highly debated last week on our show, but I'm going to throw it into the conversation. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers creamsicle uniforms. Mr. Marcus Anderson last week, for those of you who listen to the show, is obsessed with these uniforms, and I am absolutely not, especially because 
it's an ugly uniform for an ugly QB1. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at I it. Mean, Seeing Baker Mayfield in this ugly <laughs> uniform could not make me dislike this jersey anymore. It, it's really weird being a Browns fan, too, because everything we own is orange. But right. seeing this pastel orange is gross. And, and combined with the red. Yeah. I don't like it. It's, it's just... Once again, it looks like a it looks like a Halloween costume. Yeah. It doesn't even look like an actual athletic attire. Looks like an NFL team trying to dress as you know, an NFL team. No, it's it's a uh, it's a my league, but for Madden. <laughs> you know, when they when you have to create your own uniform and your own brand, this is what someone created was the <laughs> the so Las bad. Vegas creamsicles. That's <laughs> they're <Yeah>. terrible. <laughs> and Marcus was saying, "Oh, it's tradition. It's this and this." The the team that wore the creamsicle uniforms was is considered to be one of the worst <laughs> football teams of all time. And I'm talking in the same conversation as the 0-16 Browns. Some say worse. Some say that that Buccaneers team was worse. Yes. What are you honoring? Mediocrity? Mediocre jerseys and a mediocre team? Like Mediocre quarterback? Man, now you've got a mediocre... You know what? It's a sign of times, man. they got to... Mediocre jersey, mediocre quarterback, mediocre franchise, mediocre head coach, whoa, mediocre whoa, organization. Whoa, the only whoa, reason that team was even remotely relevant the past five years is Tom Brady. <laughs> Take Tom Brady off that team. I guarantee you that team has not been heard of in years. You keep Jameis Winston as your quarterback instead of Tom Brady, they don't win that Super Bowl. They don't even get close. And they're they're terrible. So, so Logan, you're rating this 10 out of 10, right? Yeah. I'm rating this a negative 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh These jerseys are Almost as bad as Baker Mayfield's play. Ooh, wow. I would give it a three out of ten, personally. Yeah, I'm going three and a half. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and a half? Just, Why and a half? Helmet, because you like, like Baker? Helmet, You've been hanging okay. out with Alex too much. That's fine. <laughs> I just feel like the helmets aren't that bad. And I like mm. the Buccaneer logo on the helmets, too. It's the just, logo's okay. The face mask doesn't really... The color... Uh, it's so disgusting. The color of the face mask it looks stupid to me, but... <laughs> Everything else about the helmet is pretty cool to me. All right, moving on to our next one, Mitch. I already know your rating. I'm not. I don't even have to ask you. The next one we're looking at is the Seattle Seahawks throwback uniforms, and they are bringing back the old Seahawks logo with the old Seahawks green, the old Seahawks blue with the silver helmet. I for me, man, this one's a ten. This is the best uniform in the NFL. It's a oh. ten out of ten out of ten out of ten. I wouldn't give it the best uniform personally, oh. but they they just killed every single bit of this uniform. Every decision that they had to make, they nailed. That's the best part is there aren't any decisions. They didn't change anything mm-hmm. from their old uniforms, which but, is perfect. But you know that they were in that room going, should we do this? And someone stood up and got, no, no, we shouldn't. And whoever you are, thank you. I, thank I, you. I bet it was Pete Carroll. <laughs> Pete Carroll loves to not switch anything up. Like, the way he went with Russell Wilson mm-hmm. 18 seasons after we knew he wasn't really going to win us a championship, that has nothing to do with this, though. I think, and I have a question for both of you sure. involving these jerseys. Okay. Do you think the Seahawks have the best collection of jerseys as an NFL yes, team? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I would, I would say that. Seattle, and I would put seconds, but not too far off. I would put the Panthers close. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it's Panthers second, maybe Chargers. Chargers, third. yes. Mm-hmm. But I think just Seattle with the action green alternates. Those are sweet, dude. Those it's just nice. It's just and nice. when I think of when I see these Seahawks uniforms, 
I, at least in the time I've been paying attention to football, the Seahawks have never been bad. They've been always decent. Yeah, we had like one bad game yeah. in the past 10 years. I mean, when I started really paying attention to football, I'm talking like the Matt Hasselbeck years, and even those weren't that bad. So when I see these Seahawks uniforms, I think you're going to laugh, but you'll remember this, Mitch. Mm-hmm. The first, obviously you remember Russell Wilson and those type of guys, but one right. other thing I remember about the Seattle Seahawks uniforms is Matt Flynn. Huh? <laughs> Do you remember Matt I, Flynn stepping in for Russell Wilson a couple times? I, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember him. Like, what was that? After, that was crazy. <laughs> after Matt Flynn left the Packers, I don't know why, but I remember him backing up Russell Wilson. Because I remember in Madden, it used to make me so mad. That's why It used to make me so mad when I'd throw a pick with Russell Wilson and I'd put Matt Flynn in and dude would ball. Dude was a dog on Madden. <laughs> it's the thing with these jerseys, and part of the reason I love them is because they kind of pay homage to a bunch of Seahawks that people don't always think Steve of. Largent. Steve Largent. The name I, I think Sean Alexander. Uh-huh. I think Cortez Kennedy. Sure. It's players like that that deserve a lot of recognition because they were great players and i think sean alexander was a top five seahawk of all time and Mm -hmm. these jerseys bring all that back to life and modernize it a little bit and the color scheme is perfect i'm giving it 10 out of 10 Yep, ten out of ten for me as well. I would have to give it a nine just because I don't. You're a hater. I just don't. Oh, no, you are such I, a hater. I, okay, so before we had agreed about going through most like of them, I had in my notes put. By the way, Mitch, the Seahawks killed it this year with their uniforms. Mm-hmm. So that's step. But why a nine? Let's, what are they missing? What's that's, what's because the I have because there's a better jersey in my mind. <laughs> what is it? Am I gonna? Is it a new alternate? Am yes. I, okay, yes, then I won't is. ask yes, you what it is, is yet. That's, okay. Oh, I, okay. I, know I think it there's a better. It's, a, it's an alternate this year that we'll yes. we'll touch on. Yes. Okay. And I might know what you're gonna say, so let's. I'll I'll put my thoughts on the back burner. Okay. Next up, this isn't an alternate uniform, but it is an alternate helmet. It's being paired with the gray jerseys for the Detroit Lions, and this helmet missed so hard, in my opinion. It is not even funny. It does not look like it even remotely matches the Detroit Lions uniforms. The logo on the helmet is not the right color. It's not the right shade of blue. And I'm looking at a picture of Aiden Hutchinson, who I already do not like because he's from Michigan, wearing this ugly uniform, and it makes me dislike it even more. Yeah, I like I said earlier, you really got to get blue right mm-hmm. for me. And mm-hmm. they just, this, like, mix between a baby blue, pastel blue, just isn't there. The lion looks... It looks stretched, like somebody went in Photoshop and accidentally <laughs> elongated it without actually enlarging it. And it just, everything about it is kind of like, uh. And then when you pair it with the gray jersey, I don't think it's going to look good. No, it doesn't. Oh, the gray jersey, yeah. I don't and I don't like those gray jerseys, no, period. That's the, yeah. And then add a terrible helmet to it? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah, I don't. Who think is paying these people? If, if they would have had, maybe if they would have had a jersey to go with this helmet, maybe it would look right, but... It's, I am not, not a fan of getting thing. an alternate helmet and not having a jersey to go with yeah. it, unless it's something, like, set. Yeah. Like, I would say, I'd argue, I'm trying to think of alternate helmets last year. I would honestly argue that the Bengals' white tiger helmet could go with any of their uniforms. Mm-hmm. Realistically. Mm-hmm. That's one that can be pushed around. This one cannot. 
Yeah, I, I'm not as down on this helmet as you guys are. I, I don't think it's, like, top tier by any means. But I I do like how they what they put behind the lion with the two stripes. And I think that looks kind of cool. I think the lion looks stupid. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Just, the lion looks so dumb. But, uh, yeah, it's just also the shade of blue is not really doing it for me. And and it's the Lions. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do you got against the Lions? They're just kind of boring. It's the Lions. They, all right. <laughs> so That's boring. fair. Dude, if they were going to go back to an alternate uniform, they should have gone back to the black ones with Calvin Johnson. You know which ones I'm talking about? Here, I'm going to hold my computer up because I know you do. Yep. Oh, yeah, those are They yeah. should have gone back to those. Absolutely. Blue numbers, black jersey, white stripe with their normal helmet and black socks. Go to jersey for mm-hmm. the Lions. All right, let's give this one a rating. I won't be too harsh. It's not creamsicle bad for me, but I'll probably give it. I'm gonna give it a two or three. It's a five for me. It's just, it's just meh. Like, it, it's not. And it's the worst it's a helmet, design. so I'm gonna give it a little bit more grace. Yeah. It's not a whole uniform. Yeah, it's a five for me too. It's, it's just middle of the pack. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, and I'm thinking this could be your pick, Logan. And if it is, I'll accept it. I really will. The Vikings. Vikings, is this it, Logan? It's not it. I knew it. Oh, so Vikings come out with their Randy Moss classic uniforms. These are the a major throwback to the old Vikings days. They're the purple with the just regular flat numbers, Mm -hmm. no no extra stuff, just the yellow stripes and the purple uniforms. I love them, and I I am not one for simplicity in uniforms. I'll be a hundred percent honest with you, but this one is just as clean as the Seahawks one for me. Love this jersey. It's not. It's not my favorite, and I don't think it's better than the Seahawks. But this reminds me of um, d- during my Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, my grandpa, or my great grandpa, actually would get old tapes of football games, and I would see these jerseys and just go, "Man, those look cool." They're those look. When I think clean. of these jerseys, I think like this is a Marcus Anderson type of jersey. <laughs> I don't know how Marcus to explain Anderson it. Type of jersey. But I, I this dude I know owns that jersey. Yeah, but they just. They didn't change anything from what I'm looking at. And if they did, it's so minute that it doesn't change the feeling of this jersey. And it just feels like football to me. Hey, guys. I hate them. No. I I don't like these at all. Why? It's First off, combining yellow and purple is a difficult thing to achieve. I think LSU does it very well. It's just these look like they look like 1980s LSU jerseys to That's me. The point, yeah. I, but I just don't like like uh, yellow and purple combined. So you just don't clean. like the Vikings colors, period. Yeah, I but like, I think their the jerseys they have now is a lot less yellow, a lot more emphasis on the purple, maybe gray. What even. do you mean a lot less? Ye- There's like three stripes of yellows in this jersey. In the in what the old in the this ones. One? No, 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 not these. I mean, they're regular, just not the alternates. They're regular jerseys. Yeah. You you think there's less yellow? Yeah. I don't know, man. Mitch. In the regular jerseys? Dude, you lost me. I'm not yeah, going to lie. I'm not here with you, man. You, you are just don't on like, your own. This looks like... A th- I usually <laughs> like throwbacks, but th- yeah. See, the regular jerseys have like... One yellow stripe on them. They have way more yellow in the in the right now jerseys than the throwbacks. 
not not for their regular for their alternates maybe, but for their regular jerseys, there's just one yellow stripe that I'm seeing. And I don't know. I think I would have enjoyed more like an Adrian Peterson Vikings throwback where they had the white and they had the little Viking kind of thing. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think I would have enjoyed that Mm -hmm. a lot more than this. But these for me just, I don't know. It's it's 1980s college team vibes. And I don't know. All right. I'm giving them a 10. I'm not going to lie. I would give them them a 7. I give them a 5. Okay. All right. (laughs) Clown. Hater. You're a total clown. But um, next up, our hometown Cleveland Browns introduced a white alternate helmet to go along with their 1946 anniversary jersey with the black numbers, and I love love it. I think they came out great. I was really worried because the Browns do not change their helmet ever, but I actually really like these. This is what I was talking about. This is your 10? Yes. I'm not giving this a 10. This is a 10 out of 10. I love white jerseys. I love white jerseys, and having the white... With the white helmet, oh, it looks gorgeous. And then the lettering with the brown and orange, everything about the uniform and the helmet, everything. I love it. I just love it. And, you know, that's not even just me being a homer. If I saw this and this was, I don't, the Chargers, but they had this uniform, I'd be like, this is the best uniform in in the whole list. Yeah, you cannot deny these. I don't see how you can deny these helmets combined with the jerseys and even the lines on the socks to mm-hmm. go with Ugh. the whole. And it's, yeah. Everything about it. It's, this mm. is top tier. And it feels good to say the Browns got something right. Yeah. You know, it feels great. And I think David and Joku to take those pictures the, too was the perfect candidate. One, one of uh, the Cleveland Browns Twitter uh, tweeted a picture of their uh, uniforms and said, can't stop staring at these. And I feel the exact same way. I have, I have a, uh, group of all of our all of the alternates uh, this year and every single time I'm going right back to them and just staring at them while we talk because they just look that nice yeah these are great yeah I would give not I wouldn't give it a 10 right. until what? I see them on the field honestly oh. but I'm gonna give it an eight I'm gonna give the helmet an eight that is a 10 out of 10 hope they wear it again I'll do a nine man y'all hating Hey, you're hating. You hated on the Seahawks. I right? said this. No, you are. How's that not a 10? How is Seattle not a 10, but that is? Because yeah, I don't give the same ratings, you know? You're capping. It's, I don't know, bro. Can't give the same ratings. Yeah, man. I don't know. I think that Warrior's head is diluting. Some, that Warrior's hat you're wearing right now is taking some of your brain cells out. You're crazy for that one. But, the Curry jersey. Yeah. I'm going to give I'm gonna give that one an 8. So we have two more that are unofficially released, mm-hmm. but I do want to touch on them. The first one is the Kelly Green from the Eagles. If this is officially out, this is also a 10 for me. I'm not going to lie. It thinks, makes me think Randall Cunningham. makes me think of the OG Eagles days, and seeing Jalen Hurts and Kelly Green will be incredible. Yeah, I just got to see what they if they change anything with the helmet and how they do the yes. pants. Because uh, sometimes they change stuff like that up, and it just completely ruins the jersey and the whole uniform. Uh, but once we see what those are, I think this would be just up there with the Seahawks and the Browns for me. Yeah, I don't think it would be up top tier, but I think they do look nice. And I think with a little bit of modernizing, mm-hmm. I, I think it could be a 8 to 9 range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would give it. 9 to 10 for me if they come out the way that we want. And the last one that is unreleased but it was teased is 
There's actually two for yeah. this team, and it's the Tennessee Titans. The first one, their profile picture on Twitter right now is a Houston Oilers logo. If they come out with the blue Houston Oilers jersey, I am also giving this one a 10. Those yeah. jerseys are fire. Warren Moon, that's what I think. Warren Moon, Eddie George, that's what I think they, of when I think of the Houston the, Oilers. And if that jersey comes out correct, that's going to be awesome. The Titans released a video of one of their jerseys being doused in oil. So I'm assuming we're getting maybe a black version of that. or That'd be so sick. Uh, it looks amazing. Black Oilers helmet and jerseys. Yes. Imagine. Yeah. I see this teaser video, and the helmet, too, looks insane. Dude, it could be that that could be up there like that could be neck and neck with Seattle for me if that comes out looking good. I think it will. It will not beat Seattle for me, but close. Seattle is unbeatable for me. Yeah, I don't think that's beatable in my eyes. Not even being a homer. Mm-hmm. I just but this also looks like it could be nine to ten. Absolutely. Yeah. I would yeah, I think I'd give it a nine to a ten depending on how it comes out. Because I love the Oilers jerseys. Imagine, imagine seeing them in black. Mm-hmm. That that's modern. That's modern, and it's also homage to the throwback days. That's and I think that's a perfect balance. Perfect balance. And before we move away from the uniform topics, I'm going to hit on one from the college likes, and people have been waiting a long time for this one. Ohio State dropped a gray. Uniform for the first time in years, and again, I love this uniform. I think it fits perfectly. It's a perfect balance of. It's not, you know, Ohio State had those like gray, I don't know, like wolf jerseys. You remember what I'm talking about, Mitch? The the yes, the black numbers with the camo. Those were the last time they wore gray, and I'm not talking about something like that. This is Ohio State's uniform with inverted colors, and I think it's perfect. I love it. Yeah, this is sick. The whole put together with the helmet. The color scheme, I think those are some great colors to put together. It gives off what Ohio State should be. And I, as far as ratings go, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. What I'm really excited for is the Ohio State-Michigan game and seeing these uniforms up against Michigan State just because... Because you know Michigan State's going to bring out some dope uniform to go with That's it, That's what too. I'm saying. And mm-hmm. what makes a uniform better than going up against another great uniform? Because mm-hmm. um, that just makes an iconic, you know, picture, video. It makes an iconic game. Because for right. me... Sorry, go ahead. No, you, you're good. I, I, uh, the last thing I was going to say was I love the red highlights. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because for me, I don't like when they wear alternates against the team up north. Mm-hmm. I think... Scarlet and gray, maize and blue is how that should yep. always be. Do not mess with it. I don't like when they mess with it. Mm-hmm. However, they do tend to mess with it with Michigan State a little bit, mm-hmm. or, and I like that. I, I, I've seen a couple against Michigan State that I would approve of, and this will be, be up there with their black uniforms for me. Wow. Honestly. That's some high praise. And I love that's the black was, that's uniforms. That's some high praise. I love the black uniforms. Okay. Yeah. These are just not doing too much, but it's not doing too that's, little. And and that's interesting for you to say because earlier, Logan, you said you don't like minimalist jerseys, and these are pretty pretty minimalist. Yeah. Like I said, if it's the right amount it's, of minimalism, it's not that bad. Yeah, these are hidden. I just don't like when people go from good non-minimal uniforms to yeah. bad minimal uniforms. Yeah. It's terrible. I agree with that. So, guys, that's going to do it for our uniform talk. And, wow, that actually took up almost the entire segment, which is great. So we'll probably talk a little bit more NFL in the next segment before we get into some UFC action. But before we head to our first break, let's touch a little bit on 
another former Ohio State quarterback, and that is Justin Fields. Justin Fields is reportedly thought to be on the same track as Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts by many NFL scouts. Mitch, I'm going to pitch this one to you first. That's some high praise. Outrageous. Please never say it again. (laughs) You're not a Justin Fields guy? Um, I wouldn't even say that I'm not a Justin Fields guy. I just think that the situations with Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts are so astronomically different wow. as to where Jalen Hurts is surrounded by superstars. Yeah. And Justin Fields is surrounded by a terrible line and <laughs> one good receiver. Who is his running back? Who's going to take the pressure off him well. in the run game? <laughs> Khalil Herbert? Let's try again. <laughs> it's not going to be with Khalil Herbert. They got a rookie, Roshan Johnson. I don't know his ceiling. It's nothing compared to any Philly running back like DeAndre Swift or yeah. Rashad Penny. Who is Justin Fields going to throw the ball to besides DJ Moore? Chase Claypool. <laughs> anyway. Wow. What do you mean? What was that? Anyway. Chase Claypool just had one bad year. He'll be back. Chase Claypool. I think Darnell Mooney is over him in the depth chart, and I enjoy that. I don't think Chase Claypool is going to be making any waves in the NFL receiving. So do you think it's disrespectful to Jalen Hurts to say that? Yeah, Jalen wow. Hurts just went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, that's the guy who just led his team Oh, you have a differing opinion? No, I'm, I'm buzzing him on the Chase Claypool comment. Oh, okay. I, no, come on. What's your What's your opinion on uh, Fields getting compared to Hurts? Oh, not a likely comparison okay. at all right now. Okay, I thought you were arguing. Although for that. never, I don't think the hate on Justin Fields is warranted at all. I don't. I don't think it's hate. He I had Matt this. Nagy his first year, mm-hmm. and now he's on a team that's still not that good. I think if you were to put Justin Fields on a team that is successful and built the right way, Justin Fields is a top ten quarterback in the league. Okay, uh, but he but he has no line, and that's the problem. Of course, and he has no line. He plays in a terrible stadium. He but, plays with terrible teammates. I mean, if you're if you're as good as people are saying he is, shouldn't you be able to play despite that? No. Yes. I think, I think so. Russell yes. Wilson did it for I like think, his yeah. entire uh-huh. career. Russell Wilson had some of the worst lines in football. Russell Wilson. <sighs> Come on. And by the way, Chase Claypool has never had a thousand yards in a season. Come on, buddy. He's never had double digit touchdowns. Oh, buddy. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Oh, boy. He had zero touchdowns last year. <laughs> Before we get into some heated argument about Chase Claypool, I'm going to send us to break here, guys. It's our own Mitch Base, one half of the UFC podcast, SPT Overtime. We'll be right back here on WZIP Sports. Welcome back to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. It's Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP, heading into our second hour of today's show on this fine Sunday here at the University of Akron. Once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me on the other side of the desk, he is once again laughing for no reason. It's Mr. Logan Buchanan. There's absolutely a reason that we're going to get into here soon. And on the other side of the desk, it's our UFC analyst alongside Mr. Alex Henry. It's Mr. Mitch Bates. How's it going, everyone? You ready to talk some UFC, Mitch? Of Seems course. ready. <laughs> yeah. This is the first time that I have been the host of a show where we've had UFC on our show. So let's see how this goes. You know, normally I'm the other guy talking about pronunciations, but now I got to try and get them right myself and just hope for the best. <laughs> but, but, you know, guys, I'm going to throw it to you first, Mitch, because I know you feel very strongly about yeah. this topic here. And that is Molly McCann. 
Molly McCann, for those of you who are not UFC enthusiasts, was supposed to be pretty much the future of UFC fighting in the women's on the woman's side. Molly McCann continues to get main events or co-main events. She is 10 and 8. Mitch, I want that same energy that I just saw off air. <laughs> Why does the UFC continue to promote Molly McCann and she continues to lose? The UFC continues to promote Molly for the same reason they tried to promote Patty Pimblett. And they kind of came <laughs> in a package deal, which I, w- I was already annoyed with them before I even saw them start to lose fights. But here's my thing about Molly. Molly is garbage. <laughs> Molly's garbage. And if here's the thing. <laughs> I'm willing oh, to this like, is great. I'm willing to pass up her loss to Aaron Blanchfield because Aaron Blanchfield is a machine. And there's not a lot of girls in that division that can beat Aaron Blanchfield. Sure. But <laughs> I felt that butt from a mile away. <laughs> Do we want to talk about how she lost in the first round? By submission. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, if, if that was good, because it was 337 into the first round, she lost by submission. Let, let's talk about her fight last night, where she lost a minute 55 in the first round by submission. <laughs> like, is this something we're going to talk about? Yes. Molly McCann. If you don't stand up and box with her and let her head tap you, you'll be fine. Just grab at her legs. You don't. It doesn't even have to be a technical takedown. We saw that because she grabbed at her and like tried to shove her all the way for five whole seconds. Molly's like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm just go down." <laughs> gets, gets her back immediately. No scrambling ability by Molly. She moves like a turtle. <laughs> gets her back immediately. Taps her out. Oh, Not even two minutes in the first. With combat sports, it's one thing (laughs) to lose by submission, but to lose by submission in the first round multiple times, twice twice in a row. Times, if that's like if Cyril Gaon comes back and fights like I don't know some rando because this girl was a rando. Let's be serious. (laughs) Cyril Gaon comes back, fights a rando, and gets tapped out. I want him done. Go to, go to bare knuckle FC, bro. <laughs> Molly McCann was pushed. Yeah, this because- is this is the ultimate fighter, like UFC top of the top tier, like tier best one of the fighting. best ultimate fighting championship. When, and you're losing. When I think Mitch, Mitch, when I think UFC women's fighters, I'm thinking like Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey. Molly McCann just does not fit the bill for me. If I watched Amanda Nunes fight Molly McCann. <laughs> we got, we got, we got, we got. <laughs> Let's hear it, Mitch. Mm, you know what? I'm, I'm going to segue a little bit and just say Molly McCann was pushed because of her entertainment value. She got a really good knockout and started running and doing front flips and jumped over the cage and started yelling at Dana White. It's the entertainment value. She wants to be Conor McGregor. She wants to be Pat. So what you're telling me is send her to the WWE. Send her to the WNBA. Send her somewhere. She doesn't deserve to be in a fighting sport. Oh, man. Ronda Rousey went to the WWE, and she did well there. But also, Ronda Rousey was a top five greatest women's fighter of all time. Well, Shayna Baszler. 
Oh, dead silence for a minute. <laughs> Shayna Baszler made the jump, and she's actually pretty phenomenal. Why are you smiling like that, Mitch? Because <laughs> we're, we're comparing that to Molly McCain. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree with you. Molly McCain can't hold a candle to those two. <laughs> when Molly McCain makes it out of the first round <laughs> without, like, I would just like so, to see a war with Molly are McCain. You, if you're Dana White, are you continuing to give her co-main events? No, 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 no. I thought you were no, going to say you're putting her contract. in the main event. I thought you were going to say a contract. I think she deserves a contract because I've seen guys like Terrence McKinney who got flash knockouts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no I Terrence love, no, McKinney I love slander. Terrence McKinney. I promise. I love Alex Terrence Henry is McKinney. not going to like that Terrence McKinney slander. Terrence McKinney is one of my favorite fighters, but it's the fact that he had some flash knockouts and he's lost, what, two, three straight fights because he fights like he's panicked. like it's, And I think they should keep giving him contracts. So Molly McCann, I feel like the same feeling where you give her contracts, stop putting her at the top of cards because who cares? Who? <sighs> who cares to watch Molly Apparently McCann? You lose? care very heavily yeah, about Yeah, it this. seems like you, you got quite the vendetta horse in this race. If she was the main event, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> because Tom Aspinall... Could you imagine paying that much money to buy the fights? Well, luckily it was a fight night. If they put her on the main card of, like, an actual UFC That's event... That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, <laughs> Please don't do it, Dana White. Please don't do it. Just keep her, does now. keep her in the prelims. Prelims? Yes. Keep her in the prelims. I don't need... I don't need hey, to watch bitch. another <laughs> Molly McCann women's bout where she loses in the first round by submission because she can't stay on her feet. <laughs> She's sloppy. Now everyone at home knows why I've been laughing on the breaks <laughs> because this is what we've been getting. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, for the future for Molly McCann, if she does get a contract, who is someone you think she realistically could be? If you if you could make a dream pairing for her, who who is that? The thing is, <clears throat> Molly McCann is better than a lot of women's fighters in her division. I just don't think that she needs to be placed among the top like the top ranks. I feel like you you save those <laughs> you save those for the top women's fighters. There's some absolute prospects that aren't getting attention because Molly McCann wants to scream in your ear during a press conference. <laughs> that's, that's all she's doing. It's it's Patty Pimblet 2.0. You you not a Patty Pimblet guy? No, <laughs> Patty Pimblet is so bad. Patty, he's not as bad as. Rosas Jr., and I'll give that dude a pass because he's 18 years of age. But Patty Pimblett and Molly McCann give off the same kind of energy as to where they're hyped up, but when they go against top-level competition, they're not backing it up. Yeah. Logan, any final thoughts on the Molly McCann dispute I have before nothing, we move forward? I have nothing to say that would be anywhere near as great as what the last i don't know 11 minutes has been giving us <laughs> yeah i just i just had to get that all out and she's she's not terrible but she's not top tier give her give her anyone in the top five of the women's flyweight division and they're breaking her in half <laughs> <laughs> all right you heard it here first mitch bates does not think that molly mccann will ever win a fight 
<laughs> a fight. Never. No, no she, chance. She won't win a championship. She'll win a fight. She will not win a championship. All right. Look at you being nice. Hey, before we switch over to the the next card, how's your dog doing, Mitch? <laughs> my dog is perfectly fine. Anytime I bet my dog, you know it's serious, and <laughs> she's doing just fine. So that's she's living the life. Yes, she is. She's happy. Good, good. Because you almost sent her away, and it you would have been terrible. Close Kings seventy sixers finals. It wasn't close. <laughs> <laughs> next year. <laughs> no, I promise. All right, let's get into the next card, which is UFC two ninety one. That is this coming Saturday on the twenty ninth. It's going to be a very good card, very highly anticipated with a great main event, which we will get into. But let's start off with some of the prelims. First off, we have Jake Matthews against Darius Flowers. Jake Matthews comes in at sixteen and six. Darius Flowers comes in at twelve five and one. Mitch, I'm going to kick it to you first. What are your predictions for this fight? Yeah, Jake Matthews for me is a guy that in the past I was not high on at all. But he's a brawler and he Mm. has heart. Mm -hmm. And I respect that out of any fighter. I think Jake Matthews can actually get it done. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. Mm. And especially with these guys who have less fights, but like a 10-3 and record, that's obviously someone you're going to have to watch out for. And I'm not very well informed on the fighter specifically, but I do know Jake Matthews, and mm-hmm. I do know that it's it's flashes with him. You have to put it all together for one fight. I think he can. I think he can do it, and I think he will do it. Gotcha. I I actually this whole fight depends on how long it goes because we've seen Jake Matthews get this done when he gets into those later rounds. Uh, once we get into uh, the second and the final moments of the third round, we see Matthews just all out dominating uh, some of his opponents. But on the other end of that, Darius Flowers, when we get that first round, look at his record in the first. That's where he shines. So if Matthews can make it out of the first, I think it shifts into his favor. But I sadly don't see him getting out of the first round. I see Flowers winning by knockout first round. Yeah, that that would stink because Jake Matthews is <clears throat> he's someone I appreciate. Mm-hmm. When I first started getting into UFC and I thought he looked like Jake Paul, <laughs> kind of stood out to me, but I got to know more about him. It's just he has to put it together mm-hmm. and not sure if he can. I hope he does, though. Yeah, definitely. I think I would agree with you. Darius Flowers probably takes this fight for me. Um, you guys both hit on the head what I would have touched on as well, but... I'd like to see Jake Matthews pull out the win, but I Darius Flowers takes it for me mm. in the first prelim match. The next match we have in the prelims is, Mitch, correct me if I'm wrong. And <laughs> I can't. You can try. <laughs> Our next prelim match, and man, Jake Mernigo is going to clown me, man. It is not going to be good. So is the actual Jake, Jake, Jake Mernigo. So is the actual you. Jake Mernigo, and so is Alex Henry, because this is the first time I've been the one reading these off. <laughs> so our next match in the prelims is Roman Kapilov and Claudio Ribeiro. Mitch, was that close, you think? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, I think, well, great. I think it sounded all right. I'm Kapilov? Not Jake Murren, I'm so sorry. Yeah, man, this is going to be not good. <laughs> but uh, Kapilov, if I'm correct on that pronunciation, comes in at 10-2. and two. Claudio Ribeiro comes in at 11-3. and three. Mitch, what do we got on this fight? Yeah, I think Kapilov should get it done pretty early. I don't think this is going to be a close fight. Mm-mm. It's some of the furthest odds in the whole entire card. 
and I don't think the competition is really there. They're very similar in their age, in their reach, but I, I'm i just going to go Kapilov. Long story yeah. short, I think it's going to be early. I don't think it's going to go the distance. No, I... It, <laughs> Roman's just going to absolutely wear down Claudio. Mm-hmm. And if they make it out of the first, it's going to be pretty early on into the second when we get either a knockout or a TKO stoppage something. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is going to be a close fight at all. No, I would agree. I'm going to go Kapilov as well. Not close. And I actually think this will be one of the, the least interesting fights on the card. Yeah. As as far as just name value and a fight as a whole, this yeah. is probably oh. one of the lowest fights. I'm totally blanking on the name, but in UFC 290, what was the woman's fight where it literally lasted maybe three seconds? Did you see that? Uh, I did you watch 290? I didn't get the chance. Mm. Dude, there was a fight. It was a woman's fight, and I, I was at my friend's house to watch it. I got up to go to the bathroom when this fight started. Mm-hmm. When I came back, they were already preparing for the next fight. <laughs> I don't know which I don't know which fight it was, but I was like, "What happened?" And they're like, "It's over." She knocked, <laughs> she knocked her out in one hit. And I was like, "All right, well, cool, awesome." <laughs> next up on the prelim card, we have Derek Lewis. Can't really mess that one up. Comes in at twenty six and eleven. This one I'm definitely gonna mess up. He's going against Marcos Rogério de Lima, de Lima, de Lima. All right, he comes in at 21-9-1. and one. Mitch, what is your take on this fight? See, this fight for me is hard to call, mm-hmm. and that is based around Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, and I'll probably go deeper on a our UFC podcast, me and Alex Henry, which should be coming out later this week. Stay tuned for that. But Derek Lewis is a guy that will be hyped up. He's, to make a long story short, he's 4-1 and one in his last five and those are against top-level competitors, top heavyweights, but he's never had the cardio, which always scares me with Derek Lewis. He, Whenever he faces top-level competition that's not named Curtis Blades because Curtis Blades can't avoid a knockout, he just grabs at your legs the whole time. He fought Cyril Gaon. It was a decent fight till he got TKO'd in the third and couldn't hack it. He's been finished in the first round, two straight fights, With me, it's just all on Derek Lewis. How are you Mm going to come into this fight? Are you going to come in motivated because another loss might knock off your UFC championship hopes as Mm -hmm. a whole, but a great knockout win could put you right back up there? And he's one of the best knockout specialists in UFC history, but it's about are you going to come in conditioned, ready to fight, or are you going to let this (laughs) 38-year-old out? Basically, I don't want to say out physical, but he's. You think his physicality is higher? Not even. No, I think I think his smarts is higher. I think yes. Marcos is going to walk into this uh, matchup and be playing more defensively. He's not going to be swinging left, right, left, right. He's going to be guard, guard, wait for his opportunity, boom, hit. He's going to let Lewis you know, dominate the fight in the sense of controlling what he's doing through defense, wearing him out, and then getting those swift hits here and there when Lewis is staggering, sweating, out of breath, 
not there. Mm-hmm. I don't see a knockout in this match. I think it's going to go to decision with Marcos taking it. Yeah, I I see Marcos beating Derek Lewis. I actually think in the third round, Derek okay. Lewis is going to gas out and probably lose by TKO. It's better than the first round finishes we've been seeing, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, that's how I think right now. At the time of the UFC podcast, Could be different. I may change my mind. It does happen, but... I just can't see Derek Lewis getting it done. That's the that's the best thing about uh, combat sports in general is sometimes it's legit just a 50-50. Mm-hmm. It's just how the – and you it's so unpredictable almost every time. And until you see the fighters walking out to the cage, you aren't 100% sure this is what's going to happen because there's always a chance. I mean, you could see it could be a everybody says this guy is going to win over this guy. Like, no shot. Everybody says that. And then – they're doing the walkouts, and you're sitting there going, oh, you know what? I think he might have this. Mm-hmm. And then he does have it. So it all depends on the actual night. That's why MMA is so beautiful. <laughs> I'm also going to go with Marcos. I'm going to go with LB on this one. I'm going to say it's probably going to be by decision, purely because of stuff you guys mentioned as well. Off the, I think Derek Lewis could gas out. I think that I think this fight could go the distance. And by, obviously, if it's by decision, like you mentioned, Mitch, Marcos has the upper edge for sure. And our last prelim fight before we get into the main card is Gabriel Bonfirm against Trevin Gills. Giles. 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 Giles? Okay. Mm-hmm. Gabriel Bonfirm versus Trevin, Trevin Giles. It's going to be 14 0 for Gabriel Bonfirm. And Giles comes in at 16 and 4. Mitch, what do we have for the final prelim match? Yeah, I actually like Trevin Giles a lot. And he is 16 and 4. He doesn't really have anywhere that he's absolutely dominant in. He's a well-rounded fighter. He has gotten submission wins. He's gotten decision wins. He's gotten knockout wins. And he's someone I'm going to root for. I I can't even think that there's directly a reason. Wow. But when we're talking about his opponent here, Bonfim, undefeated fighter, he is much younger well, not much younger. He's five years younger. He's 25, and Giles is 30. That's a lot in combat sports. Yeah, so. age means a lot, and sometimes it can help the older fighter in experience, but, which we see with John Jones, but also that is John Jones. Mm-hmm. This is this is an undefeated fighter in Bonfim who's been running through his opponents. Three straight first-round finishes. All of them are by submission. He's going to attempt to take down Giles, I think he will have the edge there, yeah. and sadly, I think it's going to be maybe a second-round submission win for you, Bonfim. You just took the words out of my mouth. I, I thought you were going with Giles winning, and I was going to call you insane nah. because Gabriel has uh, Giles when it comes to the wrestling and when it comes to the submission game. And honestly, he ha- Giles hasn't looked good since his injury. Mm-hmm. He's not been looking the same, and I don't think this is going to be the fight that returns him back to his former self. I think Gabriel absolutely has that in either a choke or some other type of submission uh, in the second round, like you said. It's not a good matchup. Not a good matchup at all. I'm also going to go with Bonfim in this one. There's no chance that Giles wins this, and if he does, then it'll be the shock of the entire card, in my opinion. (laughs) Yep, agreed. All right, let's move into the main card of UFC 291, starting off with match number Five, which is Michael Chiesa. Is that it? Chiesa. Chiesa. Man, I'm terrible at these. Michael Chiesa <laughs> against Kevin Holland. Can't get that one wrong. <laughs> Got it. And Chiesa comes in at 
he comes in at 18 and 6, and Kevin Holland comes in at 24 and 9. Mitch, I always like to start with you. Let's go. Yeah, this fight to me is about activity. I think Kevin Holland and Michael Chiesa are both very good on the ground. I think even when they're both active, Chiesa would out-wrestle Kevin Holland. And I think if this is two years ago, it could be a different story. But Kevin Holland is one of the most active UFC fighters that there is. Kevin Holland will step up and fight anyone at any time. He's got extreme length. He's got solid ground game. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that Chiesa has not fought since 2021. Mm. And he lost Mm -hmm. by decision to Sean Brady. And Sean Brady is a good fighter. But it's still the fact that he lost his last fight, his fight before that. He also lost in the first round to Vincente Luque, who... And I don't know why Luque is not fighting more often either. But... Kiesa, that's what Kiesa is for me. He's just not active enough. Kevin gotcha. Holland is way too active. And I think at the end of the day, Kevin Holland will get a win. I enjoy him. I like that he runs his mouth a lot. <laughs> it's very entertaining. And unlike Molly McCann, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry, he can. <laughs> that totally took you off. <laughs> he can win fights. He runs his mouth. And a lot of the time he backs it up, not against Hamzat Chimaev, but Hamzat Chimaev could potentially be the next champion in two different weight divisions. He beat Ponza Nibio. I think it's the same style. I got Kevin Holland. Yeah, I have Holland as well. I just, he, in my opinion, I think he bests uh, Michael in just pretty much every category, mm-hmm. um, especially his size, weight, uh, length. And the biggest thing that I'm looking to see is a Holland knockout when Chiesa tries to go for a takedown. I think uh, Holland's going to have that telegraphed so quickly, so early on, to where every attempt is just going to, boom, either a block or a straight hit. Yeah, you got to keep him on the feet. I think Holland needs to. And he has pretty solid takedown defense. Keep it on the feet because Kiesa's going to try to wrap you up Mm -hmm. and keep you on the ground. He's not even going to look for a finish as strongly as he's going to try to control the fight. Yep. So you got to spark him when he goes for one. I agree. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Kiesa in this fight as well. Mm. That's opposing both of us. Yep. I'm going with Kiesa. Wow. I like to to spice things up, guys. I'm going with Kiesa. I think, like you mentioned, he hasn't fought since 2021. He's going to be on a mission. Mm -hmm. And I can see him coming away with this. I really... I really do. Got the he could out-wrestle him. That, yeah. He could just take him down and hold him. I in. think it would I be by not. decision. That would be such a boring Boring. Fight, I think happens. he wins by decision. Kiesa wins by decision, in my opinion. Next up, we got Tony Ferguson. He comes in against Bobby Green. Ferguson comes in at 26 and 8. Bobby Green comes in at 29, 14, and 1. Mitch, start us off. Yep, I'm calling it. This is Tony Ferguson's last fight. Yep. And we've seen... The last fight for quite a few legendary fighters over recent time, Robbie Lawler, Amanda Nunes, to name a couple. But when you talk about Tony Ferguson, he's on a five-fight losing streak. That's not great when you are age 39. And you can just tell when you watch younger Tony Ferguson versus today's Tony Ferguson, there's there's a difference in his athletic ability. There's a difference in his motivation, what it would seem. It it sinks too because I know a lot of people like Tony Ferguson a lot. He's some people would call him a legend. I don't know if I would call Tony Ferguson a legend 
Alex would probably be at my neck for that take. But I, I just think that it's not really a great matchup for him either. But I don't know what is a good matchup for Tony Ferguson at this point. He's too old. He just doesn't have that spark anymore that he had when he was young. And Bobby Green can still box. Bobby Green has power in his hands. And I see him putting out Tony Ferguson early. Oh, wow. I have Green going to decision, personally. Um, But, yeah, I mean, coming off of five consecutive losses, I don't see Ferguson besting Green. I do think this would be his last match for his career. Yeah, it stinks, too. But... I, I don't know. It's just I think he should have fought like maybe an older fighter mm-hmm. with a lot less power than Bobby Green has because Bobby Green can put anyone's lights out at any time. For sure. But, yes, I think a lot of UFC fans are going to be sad when they see Tony Ferguson get knocked out by Bobby Green on Saturday. Bobby Green is my pick as well. Uh, next up we have Steven Thompson. He comes in against Michael Pereira. Is that right? I believe it's Pajeda. Pajeda? He's, yes. <laughs> All right, well, Thompson comes in at 17-6-1, and, and Pajaya comes in at 28-11. and 11. What do we got, Mitch? Yeah, this is a sleeper for fight of the night. Pajeda is an extremely athletic guy. He'll be the one doing wacky things, jumping off the cage, throwing insane kicks. But Stephen Thompson can match that energy. Stephen Thompson Ooh. is one of the best kickboxers, I think, in UFC history, Stephen Thompson is he, and he's an older guy. He's not young, but he's someone that you can't count out against anyone. Mm-hmm. Stephen Thompson, I think he's going to beat Pajeda. I think it'll be decision, yeah. but I think it's a sleeper for fight of the night. I also have it going to dis, uh, decision. I have Thompson picking up the win. Uh, I think either he's going to match uh, his style and come out full swaying like uh Pieda Pieda that is not what this <laughs> spells I swear um and kind of close the distance on him make him uh kind of square up more and not be able to fly around and uh be quick on his feet so yeah Thompson by decision yeah I'm gonna go Thompson by decision as well in this fight like you mentioned, it could really go either way. It could be, and like you said, sleep sleeper for fight of the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be an interesting one as well. One more fight before we get to our main event, and this is definitely going to mess me up on names. <laughs> we got Jan Blachowicz. <laughs> Blahovich. Blahovich. Oh, boy. Jan Blahovich up against Alex Pajeda. Again, yeah. the yeah. other Pajeda. <laughs> and... Uh, Peta, a young fighter, comes in at seven and two, and Blahovich comes in at twenty nine, <laughs> nine and one. Mitch, this seems a little bit like of a odd matchup. Yeah, yeah, but it's a huge matchup it for is. sure. This is, and I wish that Dana White told everyone this could be the fight for the vacant light heavyweight championship. If you don't know, Jamal Hill mm-hmm. had to forfeit the belt due to an injury. I was hoping he would put it on this. It hasn't been announced. Still could, but... I hope I, it does. I, I definitely do, too. And that bell has been through so much turmoil. Mm-hmm. It's just, you gotta, you gotta do something with it. But Pajeda's first light heavyweight fight, mm-hmm. we're gonna see how that goes. He's been built like a light heavyweight, so I don't think the adjustment will be too bad. But I think it'll be 
kind of like Izzy versus Blahovich in the factor where Blahovich will take Pajeda down mm-hmm. and keep him there whenever he wants to. Even Israel Adesanya was taking down uh, Alex Pajeda when they fought the first time. Second time, he knocked him spark out. Mm-hmm. But and, and that's the thing, too. If you're getting knocked spark out by Israel Adesanya, Jan Blahovich's power is going to knock you out of the octagon because he is extremely powerful. He, I think he has some underrated kicks, too, but he's not really he's not a kickboxer at all. I just think at the end of the day, it's going to be Jan Blahovich has experience in the division. They both have the power to knock each other out, but I think Blahovich's chin is a little better than Pajeda's, mm-hmm. and I think the takedown threat is going to give Jan Blahovich the win. Wow, uh, by decision or mm, yes, okay, I say decision. I I actually have uh, Alex winning by knockout in the second round. Ooh. I think he's going to come out strong in his light heavyweight debut and take this man down and make. Uh, Either, if Dana announces it for the light heavyweight championship, become the champion in his debut, or he's going to be in that championship match for the vacant title. There's so many stories that they could create by putting the belt on this fight. Mm-hmm. Like, if Pajeda wins, maybe Izzy moves up, and they have the trilogy that'd fight be crazy. for the belt. Mm, that'd be crazy. If Blahovich wins, he could have a fight with Yuri Prohaska when he comes back. Mm-hmm. He could have a rematch with Izzy if Izzy wants to move up. And not go duplicity after he fights Strickland. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, I believe Blahovich will get it done. I've seen him crush my dreams when he fought Izzy. <laughs> so I think he can do that with Pajeda. I'm going with Blahovich as well. And just as you mentioned, I think his power's there. I just think he'll definitely get it done in this fight. And I'm going to go. I think he wins TKO. Oh. I think mm. he wins TKO. Okay. We'll see. We will see. And now for the main event of UFC 291, it's Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gath? <laughs> Gaith G. Gaith G. Okay. Yeah, wouldn't have got that. <laughs> Dustin Poirier comes in at 29-7-0. and Justin Gaith G comes in at 24-4-0. and Mitch, the main event, the lightweight main event for UFC 291. Before we head to our break, let's hear it. Yeah, this is going to be an absolutely amazing fight. And I will go way more in-depth on this on the UFC podcast, but the the pick goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. I can see either one winning this. It's going to be the definition of a brawl. Mm-hmm. You're not going to want to miss this. This is a rematch, game. isn't it? Yes, it's the second time they're fighting each other. Dustin Poirier got it done in the first one. And as of right now, I think that Dustin Poirier will get it done again. I think the... He has perfected the technical boxing combined with brawling, mm-hmm. which is the exact style that you're supposed to use to beat Gaethje. Fazeev couldn't do it because I believe Fazeev was not on the same level as Dustin Poirier. I think he's the best boxer in the UFC. And at the end of the day, it's going to be an absolutely great fight. Even if you're not a hardcore UFC fan, I recommend watching this fight. It's going to be insane. I got Poirier. Yeah, I have Poirier too. Uh, I have him by knockout. I'll say in the fourth round, I do think I don't think it's going to be a quick fight by all means. It is going to be a rock'em sock'em fight, like yeah. back and forth, fifty-fifty the entire time. You're not really going to know who won each round because mm-hmm. they're just going to be absolutely fighting each other. Yeah, and there's they both have insane chins too. Mm-hmm. They're going to rock each other and they're going to keep coming. I think yeah. it'll be decision 
Okay. Just because they're both like gladiators with insane chains, great power. The only reason I said Poirier by knockout is I think his ratio of thrown punches to connected mm-hmm. is better and more efficient than uh, Justin's. Yeah, he's a really good technical fighter. One of the best technical fighters in the UFC. So we'll just have to wait for a Saturday to see. For sure. I think Dustin Poirier takes this fight as well. Fight number two, as you mentioned, in this series. But like Mitch mentioned, make sure you subscribe to SPT Overtime on all streaming platforms for the UFC 291 podcast with Alex Henry and Mitch Bates, which will come out here shortly during the week. But that is going to do it for our UFC Talk, a great segment that even ran a little bit over, which is fantastic. We're going to head to our final break of the show. You won't want to miss it when you come back. Hot Mike is up. We have a few more things we're going to touch on. If you haven't had your chance to get your questions in, head over to WZIP Sports, and we will answer them live from our Twitter page. So stick with us right here on Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to our final segment of today's show here on Sports Power Talk. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congram, and joining me on the other side of the desk is Mr. Mitch Bates. Yeah, how's it going, everyone? Mitch, how you, you calmed down a little bit? Your level's back down? Yeah, I've, I feel great now. I'm more calm, more easy, feeling ready. Good. And on the other side, I got Mr. Logan Buchanan. Hello, hello. Guys, Final segment coming up. Again, as I mentioned, if you haven't gotten your questions in, head over to our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Tweet at us what you want to hear us answer, sports-related or not, and you will hear it live here before our show ends. But, guys, let's start off with a little bit of NBA news. There's not much of that going on, but we do have to touch on this. I think I've touched on it every single week since I've been sports director, which makes me really, really mad because it's my team that we're dealing with, and they won't do anything. And now I'm hearing that Miami is out on Damian Lillard due to lack of communication from Portland. What is next for both of these teams, guys? Because I am infuriated with the Portland Trailblazers here. And I'm infuriated with the Heat, too. Both teams have had have done nothing. There's, there's a thing on Twitter. You know the Mr. Krabs? Give it up for day 93. I've seen it. It's day 17 of no communication between the Heat and the... The Heat and the Trailblazers. Give it up for day 18. For, for Portland, it... It's kind of a double-edged sword, in my opinion, because, you know, a lot of people were saying that Portland was giving in to Damien's threats and his demands when he didn't deserve to be saying that to his team, uh, saying that he wouldn't play, making all these uh, threats. So it could be the lack of communication was Portland standing up as an organization, making a stand, saying, hey... We don't have to let players treat us like this. They, they can't be making demands like this. If it, that's the case, then maybe good on Portland? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But if it's not because of that, it makes me wonder what the initial conversation with the Heat was that these two just didn't want to work together. These two organizations didn't want to make anything work that probably would have benefited both teams in this game trade. Yeah, I have... A little bit of a different view on this than a lot of people mm-hmm. I know. I would be angry at Damian Lillard, if anyone. And here's my thing. Damian Lillard was putting on for years on years how he's this loyal player. Oh, I would never switch up. Oh, mm-hmm. well, all these superstars jump and ship. Mm-hmm. But now Damian Lillard is basically demanding a trade. He is demanding a trade. To, to a team and telling other teams, oh, well, 
I just won't play for you if you trade for me. Yeah. Okay. It, well, it, it's sports treason. It's unbelievable because you were just a free agent, and you were the one who decided mm-hmm. to sign this huge contract with all these years in Portland without a player option. Yeah. Now, Portland I, has the option to hold on to him until he yes, is age 37. I think Portland's calling his bluff. Okay. Absolutely, they're calling his bluff. It was so – like, if you planned on getting out of here because they're not surrounding you with superstars, sure – then why are you signing that contract mm-hmm. that's holding you there until you should be well out of your prime? And Portland has every right to sit you down and say, okay, don't play then. Mm-hmm. You won't get paid. And You'll you won't play for anyone else. Because you're under contract and you won't play for anyone else. Like, how do you think you have the leverage? Mm-hmm. I think that's Portland's taking a stand for all NBA organizations saying – no player can do this. Just because he's our star player doesn't mean we're going to bend the knee to him. We'll build around Scoot. We'll <laughs> oh, I would love Dude, I that. think Scoot's the man. I would love Scoot Henderson to be the face of Portland. I think he will be. I do, too. I've been saying it for months. Scoot Henderson's going to be the face of whatever team he goes to. Yeah, Portland obviously felt like they weren't getting back enough for Damian Lillard. And the packages I was hearing of, like, Tyler Hero possibly Martin, Mm -hmm. Duncan Robinson, Mm -hmm. and some picks. I wouldn't be that happy with that collection either for Damian Lillard. And if you want to be a baby and say, oh, well, I won't play, okay, then you can sit here while we build something without you. You We'll treat you like a baby and put you in timeout until you're ready to play. You sign that contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that this is a problem in the NBA. We touched on this before on – a show either last week or two weeks ago that I think that NBA players holding the power is just unbelievably out of hand right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Heat fan. I would love Damian Lillard to come to Miami, but this lack of communication between both teams is driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. It is ridiculous. There's no explanation. There's no stretch of the imagination why both of these teams can't come to a deal. Dame has made it very clear he's not playing anywhere other than Miami, which I think is a little ridiculous. I'm glad mm-hmm. he's talking about my team, but I don't know... What can what what does Portland do now if they don't want to hold on to him because he's truly not going to play? What do they do now? I I don't think they have any ops. Like either there's going to be a team that says we don't care, we'll take the risk and trade for him, and they can do that, or they just set him down because, like you said, the players thinking they have all the power has been outrageous, and it's been like that in the NFL too, mm-hmm. where they'll they'll just say, oh, I'll hold out, I won't play. Okay, well. NFL running backs have seen recently that, okay, if you think you are worth more than what you are, then we will not pay you and we'll let you sit here Yeah, and we'll find your replacement. And yeah. I think NBA needs to start doing that. I think Damian Lillard is a perfect scapegoat to start doing that with. I don't even think scapegoat. He put it on himself. He mm-hmm. did it to himself. Yeah, he really did do it to himself. There's no – I just don't understand how these NBA franchises and the Heat supposedly have this – insanely good organization not supposedly they do mm-hmm. pat riley's a great executive mickey Harrison is a great owner and we can't get this done it, it's mind-blowing to mm-hmm. me and i don't know i don't know what they do from here but guys another miscellaneous headline here sticking with the topic of miami and that is Lionel messi made his mls debut for inner miami fc the other night and boy was it a stellar debut he came in obviously as a substitution in soccer if you start, you don't get as big of a reception. Mm-hmm. So Miami brought him off the bench, brings him in, and hits probably the goal of the season. Maybe one of the best goals in MLS history yes, off sir. off the rip. Yes, sir. What 
I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. I don't think that the American population understands how huge of a deal it is that Lionel Messi chose to play here in America. Mm -hmm. He could have made billions in Saudi Arabia. He could have stayed where he was in France. He came to the MLS, which is widely regarded as a joke Mm -hmm. because European soccer is pretty much high level. If we're going to put this into football terms, European soccer is the NFL. Yeah. The MLS is like the USFL and XFL compared to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the greatest soccer player in the world chose to come play here is a much bigger deal than the American population realizes. Oh, I'm so excited because not only is it bringing light to American soccer and what we can do as a country and uh, as our teams, but... It also brings some eyes to some of our minor American leagues. Logan, you work very heavily with the uh, NPSL. Mm-hmm. How many talented guys are on there that don't get looks from yeah. soccer leagues? They don't because no one's looking at America and going, yeah, we want that guy from I'll just, Akron City FC, even though that guy could be one of the best players in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's bringing eyes to America. It's bringing eyes to our players. Uh, the same thing's happening with the... Uh, women's soccer team who are currently in the World Cup right now, all of the eyes for soccer is on America, and I'm very excited for it. It's a huge change. Yeah. Uh, no one's used to America being the center of attention for soccer, and it's especially for the reasons that we've named. They've had no worldwide stars. Mm-hmm. People don't see America and fear them as far as soccer go. We don't even call it football. I mean, even... Most Americans don't know soccer leagues, but I promise you if you ask them, hey, can you name a soccer team? I don't think they're naming uh, Miami. No. They're, they're, <laughs> they're maybe, not. Maybe Manchester, maybe Arsenal, uh, Barcelona, maybe. They might even just say Brazil, but no one's going American. America soccer, American soccer. No one. They are now, though. Yeah, Thanks I think Messi. Messi being here provides such a new level of attention and if you if you live in this country if you're listening to these airways right now wherever you may be you are completely doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch this man play one time mm-hmm. i don't care if you are the most casual soccer fan of all time i don't care if you're a european soccer fan i don't care if you're mitch bates who hasn't watched soccer a day in his life oh i have <laughs> when i'm proud of you i used to play soccer man what in like fourth grade uh yeah, but uh, uh, were you were you good? What position did you play, Mitch? I was striker sometimes. Okay, and you right, scored some goals. Right wing, yes. Mitch I knows did. his terms. All right, you know what? I retract my statement. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna retract my statement and say, whether you're a European soccer fan, whether you're the most casual soccer fan of all time, or you're Alex Henry. There it is. There it That's is. a better analogy. <laughs> You are doing yourself a major disservice if you do not watch Lionel Messi play. Yes. I'm telling you right now, when they come and play the Columbus crew, I will be there. I do not care how much that ticket costs. I will be there, and it will be sold out. It is going to be incredible. And he he is a national. And you want to talk about how – let's talk about the fame of Lionel Messi here for a second. You want to talk about how famous that guy is? How many American celebrities were in that stadium filming him? You want to talk about the most famous athlete in the world? Yep. LeBron James was filming him the other night. Yep. The Kardashians were out. They're they're worldwide famous. You know, Serena Williams was there. There were so many American pro athletes and celebrities here to see this guy compete yeah. in America. People don't understand soccer celebrity status. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's worldwide. A whole other difference. It is yeah. worldwide. 
because the game of soccer everywhere other than America mm-hmm. is the sport. Yep. It is the sport. There is no American football anywhere, really, that matters other than, like, Canada. I'm with you. You know Messi has 480 million followers on Instagram? It's do you have, did you see the jump of Inner Miami's followers? Inner Miami had like seven hundred and fifty thousand followers as a club. They signed they signed Messi. I think they're up to like seven million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for perspective, LeBron James has one hundred fifty seven million. Messi has four hundred eighty million. Mm-hmm. It's it's a national, worldwide Universal. sensation. Yeah, this guy and. Did you see the goal, Mitch? Did you see Messi's goal? I did. It was. It was that is not human. That is not something that an average MLS player will ever do. I was thinking. I was talking to my to the coach at Walsh that I work with. His name's Javier, and he said, "Imagine just being an average MLS player, and now you got to defend Lionel Messi. Mm-hmm. Just an average out of college, got drafted mm-hmm. MLS player, and now you got to defend Lionel Messi. But now, imagine you outplay Messi." Who are you? <laughs> I would love to see you. someone do that because yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that happens. Tough thing hey, to do. You never know. Lionel Messi. I can't even express the impact of that on American soccer. Lionel Messi's team, though, Logan. This is more so a question for you. Lionel Messi's team, before he signed, is at the bottom of the MLS. Now they have Busquets. They have Lionel Messi. Do you think that they can make a push for the playoffs before the season starts? If not, maybe be the best team. <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, they can make a playoff push. It, soccer is one of the better sports to wrap players around stars, in my opinion. Um, not saying that Miami doesn't have other good players, but like you said, they were bottom bottom tier. I think the additions that they've they been They got the adding, boy DeAndre Hedlund. <laughs> University back in grad. The additions that they've been adding is going to propel them into the stratosphere. It's definitely going to make a playoff push, if not becoming one of the best teams in America. Absolutely. And while we're talking about soccer, um, Pat Weber brought this to my attention today. I did want to give it its flowers on air. Uh, Aiden Quinn, former University of Akron soccer player, he won us a national title back in the day, and he is now the USO, which for you non-soccer fans is the league underneath the MLS in America because America doesn't have promotion and relegation. Mm-hmm. So the USL is like tier two soccer in America. And he is now the USL's all-time minutes played leader. That is Aiden Quinn from the University of Akron. Logan, what do you make of this? Uh, it's just exciting to see uh, anyone from not only Ohio but the Akron area making it, making big waves in any industry, uh, but especially sports uh, the sports industry just because of how many eyes are on them, uh, which just brings more eyes to Akron, more eyes to the university, which is always nice to see. For sure. We love the Zips. We love the University of Akron soccer team. Definitely a very, very not not great, fantastic mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. One of the most elite joining the Big East this year. Uh, before we close out our show, Logan, that's actually an, an impromptu question I have for you. Mm-hmm. How do you think Akron will do in the Big East this season? I think they're going to do great. I mean, I've I've gotten to see firsthand some of our players. I've not been able to make it to a lot of uh, soccer games uh, throughout my time, but after seeing firsthand what some of the players can do, I think we're we have a stellar group of kids. I think we're going. I think we're going places. I I think we're 
if not reaching the same heights we have over the years, we're definitely going to be one of the stronger teams. For sure. Guys, before we close our show, I do want to change out how I close today. So I'm going to let you guys give your final thoughts before we end our show. Mitch, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think it was a great episode. Um, I do appreciate the talk for the Seahawks jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> Top notch. And it's it's always great coming in here and being with you guys and really everyone in WZIP. It, it's just It's really a nice time for WZIP sports because we get to be talking about uh, soccer, UFC, and bring it into the light with uh, the more mainstream sports like NFL, uh, MLB, NBA. It's what a great time for sports in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, I'm surprised you say that. A lot of people would say this is a terrible time for sports, but I, I disagree. No, I think it's great. I, I think, it's, I think it, it brings attention to some things yes. that are not normally talked about, which is the purpose of our podcast, but it's nice to bring it over to mm-hmm. Sports Power Talk every once in a while. Guys, before we close out, on a more serious note, uh, a good buddy of mine, I wanted to take the time to talk about him on air today. good buddy of mine, Justin Lee, he had a really serious accident a few days ago. He's currently in the hospital with all his family, all his friends, lots of great people visiting him, but I wanted to make sure I gave him his flowers on air today. Justin, I just wanted you to know that everybody's thinking about you. Everybody's behind you, dude. We're going to get you through this. We're going to get you through the rehab. We're going to get you through everything that you need. Do not ever hesitate to reach out. I know Jenna Toth is in there with you right now. You've got incredible parents, incredible siblings, me, Daniel, Noah, Justin, or Justin, boy, (laughs) me, Daniel, Noah, Andrew, uh, Evan, Liv, Alyssa, we're all behind you, dude. Stay strong. I know it's tough. I know it seems like you may not, it may be different now. I don't even know the right words, Justin, but I wanted you to know that we are all thinking of you, and I'm here for you, dude. We'll get you through this. You're an incredible guy incredible future ahead of you nothing's going to change we're going to get you out there and having fun doing what you love get you back on the lake get you back on the boat as soon as possible love you buddy and i'll probably see you soon i'll see you at some point come out and visit you but justin lee my thoughts are with you wzip's thoughts are with you as well guys before we close out our show once again any final thoughts no i mean just keep keep watching sports uh, hopefully we can get through the dog days of summer and get back to some more traditional sports power talks but it's always nice to have an episode like this yeah i can appreciate the conversations that come with this with uh you know off-season talks with a lot of teams nba nfl contract talks things like that mm-hmm. and ufc i like seeing ufc get some SPT light yeah. here, so that always feels great. Yeah, absolutely. Mitch, I actually really credit you and Alex for getting me into the UFC. I, I really, really do. I love it. I love it now. It's it's such an interesting thing to be a part of. It's it, it You actually you gain a lot of knowledge, conversation pieces by being able to talk about that. It's, yeah. it's a very, very good conversational aspect. Yeah, and as, uh, the entire WZIP, well, not the entire, but a lot of the WZIP members will be watching the UFC event up here mm-hmm. in the studio this Saturday. Sure. So I don't know what either of your statuses <laughs> can make it, but for sure, yeah, it's just great times here at the station. Final thoughts from me. I like to close all my shows with a quote, and this quote, again, goes out to Justin Lee. With the new day comes new strength and new thoughts. Thinking of you, buddy. I'll be here with you every step of the way. And that's going to do it for this Sunday's edition of Sports Power Talk. 
Make sure you join us same time, same place, right here on WZIP next week for Sports Power Talk again. It'll be following the UFC event. I'm sure you'll want to don't miss Mitch and Alex's podcast. It's been a great show, guys. Joining me once again was Mitch Bates, Logan Buchanan, and we will see you next time live on Sports Power Talk.